Hi, I'm Porig Walsh and you're very welcome to the podcast series all about this. Our mission is to explore the subject of disability in Ireland today. I'll be chatting with people with exceptional ability, their families, policymakers and clinicians working in the field. We hope that these conversations will inform, inspire and sometimes challenge current thinking on disability. We're all about this and we're glad that you are too. Those that carry the labels of intellectual disability and autism, we must first give them the same as we do for everybody else. And then we can talk about all the extras. Coming up on today's episode, we chat to Avril Webster, an advocate for disability, a mother and a person who developed innovative ways to support her son into adulthood. Avril shares her thoughts and knowledge with us. All about this. So today we're joined by Avril Webster. Avril is a keen advocate for people with disabilities and is also the mother to Stephen who is 18 years of age and has a disability himself and Avril has kindly agreed to join us to share some of her reflections on parenting for somebody with a disability. So thanks for joining us today Avril. Thank you very much, delighted to be with you. So tell us a bit about Stephen and I suppose how the first 18 years of his life have gone so far. Mm. 18 years, jeepers, I feel like an old one here now. And I should say I'm also um, a parent of uh, Michael and Rachel. So 18, 16 and, uh, uh, and 13. Yeah, so it's been quite the, quite the adventure. Stephen is a pretty cool guy. I suppose he's the same as the, the as very much lots in common with Michael and Rachel and every other teenager where he seriously loves his gadgets and won't be without his computer and iPad and phone and all and all the rest of it. Um, he has an incredible talent for uh, for music and uh, and rhythm. And also Stephen's a kind of a Stephen's a detail kind of guy. Great guy to go on a walk with. You know, he um, loves the outdoors and loves the wind in his face. And you know, when you're walking along. Stephen will point out stuff like, you know, I could be walking and he'd hear a certain bird song that I wouldn't even hear, you know, or he'd, uh, you know, sometimes you might pass a, a wall that's covered in moss and um, Stephen will love the feel of it and uh, he'll spot a little ant, you know, or if you're passing a bush with a little bird. So he's a great guy because he kind of picks up stuff that the rest of us just wouldn't would miss, you know. And I suppose I'm intentionally telling you some of this kind of stuff because often when you're asked as a parent of, um, when, some, when you have a family member uh, that uh, has a disability, like the first thing everyone says is, oh, there's Stephen with an intellectual disability and autism. And, and you see what happens is when we do that, we lose the person, you know, because you say, you see, like when Porter was introducing me there, like he said, you know, that I'm a parent and um, I'm an advocate and, um, you know, there's lots of stuff about me that you could say that, you know, that I'm, you know, that would be negative. But one of the things we do with people that carry certain labels is we immediately jump to the negative and we and, and immediately we lose who they are as a person and all the cool stuff that they bring. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, to answer your question of my 18 years and my reflections and all the rest of it. One of the things is that from the get-go and the outset of, I might be 18 years, but I can remember the day that the consultant came to the side of a cot and said uh, said to us, um, you know, we think your baby uh, is brain damaged. And um, I actually didn't hear the words after that, you know, but the funny thing is, might be 18 years ago but I can still see his face I can smell his aftershave I can see the colour of his tie it's right there still and right from that moment when you are launched into what can only be like an avalanche a tsunami of the medical world of all the things that are wrong and the things that Stephen can't do and that uh, you're swimming around trying to make sense of this new landscape of where you are and 
what's my my little baby in front of me and and as you go along through the sort of the the the, the life cycle from getting your head around that diagnosis and uh, the, the tests and then all these clinicians and experts and therapists and people come into your life and it's all about what's wrong and fixing and I was thrown into that and one of the things I think it takes from as a mom is your sort of feeling of um, inadequacy that uh, I need other people here because I you know I, I, I need speech and language therapy I need psychologists I need you know we're going to fix we're going to fix we're going to fix and so and then you you try and get your head around that and you I, I think it, one of the things is that your your confidence as a mom is taken away very quickly um, and it, it takes quite a while to get your head around that and to kind of get yourself back on an even keel and just when you get yourself on the even keel then you hit the education system and you as you're trying to get into you know into play school or into preschool and then on into education and like as you go into that that scenario of the world you um, I, I learned a tip from another mom actually about the parallel universe okay so one of the things is in order to navigate through this world in the once you hit into into preschool and education is you have to really paint the biggest picture to get any kind of support and help and you need all these reports and assessments and all this stuff in order to get like the basic support requirements and so one of the things I learned from this mom was she said you need to figure out a way of having a parallel universe okay you have to have one universe because you need all those supports to try and get the help that you need for your for your for your for your for your child but she said create another one and remember that your little boy is your little boy and have it like two separate realities because otherwise all these negative things, all these reports, they'll permeate into you and they'll damage and it'll be very hard to keep it. So you need all this stuff and we have to have that stuff, but it's how to kind of protect too the relationship you have with your with, with your child that you know, this is the real world. And Stephen is the cool guy who, you know, if you wanted somebody to arrange the, um, you know, the papers on a desk or if you wanted somebody to, you know, set up those chairs for you in the perfect alignment, I know just the man that can, can do that. So... One of the things you have then is you, as you come through the system and as I look back now, I, we're trying to intentionally keep to that parallel universe. It's really hard. It's really hard as you come through that education system with all that negativity. When Stephen was first diagnosed, I'm sure there was difficulty coping with that or, or to coming to terms with that. What were the kinds of things that you felt helped you to uh, cope with that or how, where did you get support around that time? It was really hard. It was a really hard time, and um, and I I really felt an a prof- an incredibly profound sense of isolation, um, and I struggled to find things that 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 helped, and I remember just to say things that didn't help. But one, like I remember going to a mother and toddler group at the time, and all I wanted was to be the same as everybody else, and you weren't, and you you learn to come away, like that I, you know, really. Uh, it wasn't a good for me to go in because the pain was too strong, it was too much. So the, the things that helped me were um, finding others who were on the same kind of road as myself and um, linking up and, and chatting about stuff, sharing stuff. And um, in fact, some of the mums that I met in those early days, do you know what, we're still, we still have tea and drink wine and have a laugh and have a cry and do stuff together on that, on that particular journey. So I would say one of the things that helped was to go and find people who are on the same road as yourself, to go and I found it was helpful to find others who were 
a little bit ahead of me and give me a few pointers and a little bit of practical help you know when you're going in to do this in school try this or if you're going to navigate because there's no like with any parenting there's no manual to tell you here's how you do it and so the best sources of information support for me were to find others who were on the same journey or a little bit ahead of me uh, or even sometimes a long bit ahead of me that could just um, reach back with their hand and sort of say here come along I'll tell you I'll tell you a story here you know so I'd also say it's actually important too sometimes to go into the space where I have find a group of friends where it's like a disability free zone I call it okay because you can become consumed and for for a while I, I think in order to try and make a sense of this I felt like it was a sense of a landscape that's what I would felt at the time and I, I even still still think that today um, but I, th- I think it's it's it really important to have a space as well where you know you can come away and uh, try and talk stuff away from um, and, and create interests in, in other places and find passions and interest in, in, in doing other things um, what happened to me was I was uh, you know I was I had a busy career and um, in, 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 in the computer industry and suddenly that all changed and um, I discovered that I absolutely love cooking for example and I just that was one of the things I went after and um, and I found other people who like share that sort of share that kind of passion I also think in order to cope with the place you're at and to keep yourself strong and, and I mean I, this is not just for then but for now too you need to you need to really always ask that question about what keeps me strong and it, it's it's really about being mindful uh, about uh, taking care of yourself and it's really hard because the system is set up to take care of or to intervene and have these interventions for the the youngster perhaps or um but not no, no one's looking after uh, the principal caregivers and and also the the principal people who will be carrying out the psychology programs or the speech and language therapy programs or who's fighting the fight for getting resource hours and stuff and so if I could talk to myself now and look back, I would say like the importance of uh, trying to um, do something every day for yourself, you know, be it that it's just have, uh, I love coffee and chocolate. So for me, like, uh, you know, I, to, to really look, have have my nice cup of coffee or, or get out for the walk and have, try and really, the thing is, it's a bit more tricky when you have a family member with a disability, but it is incredibly important to try and find space for yourself and to try and keep yourself strong and, the system does you no favours in, in putting that in place. Over the the course of, of Stephen's life, you have mentioned that you did receive some supports and some were paid supports, some were natural supports that you had. And the, the importance of self-care is, is, is crucial in, within that. You also mentioned that you lecture on, on different courses and give clinicians advice on how to interact with parents. Um, what kind of things would you be advising clinicians to bear in mind when they're interacting with parents or how should they be approached? Well, I think it's just uh, uh, really to, to I think they need to take into account the context in which a, a, a family may be coming in the door to them and to really think about the the number of clinicians that may be involved in someone's life because um, sometimes I think um, you know I've been into therapy programs where they, they sort of say oh uh, you know what, 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 why haven't we done this and it might be because of the family context something else going on so I think it's really important for clinicians to really take into consideration the family context the place in which the the, the person with the disability where, where they are where they're at and you know sometimes I think for clinicians if, if for example there's um, 
as in many of the cases you may, you may have uh, have um, a little person with medical needs and if for example there is a big hospital appointment coming next week and the young person and the parent are really worried about that maybe what's m- much more important than a therapy program or what was actually planned was to actually sit and think about okay what are the, what do we need to think about for planning for next week and and if you can like in order to do good work and have good therapy and for um for good for good work to happen together you must invest in that relationship there must be trust there must be a good relationship a partnership because in my experience there is there is nothing more rewarding and exciting than working alongside a clinician where you know we come up we have you know we have a goal maybe it's toilet training or maybe it's um something around um a, a particular behavioral issue or whatever it might be right but you get together you analyze you work out a plan you and you you break it down to those mini milestones and you and it helps and you can see the confidence growing in a young person. I mean, there is nothing more exciting and rewarding than when that relationship really works together and you see the results. Um, but it's also true that it, that in all in order for the the parent to come and say this isn't working, uh, I need to change. You know, I know you suggested such a such a thing in your pro, in your therapy program or in our idea about a positive behavior plan, but this really doesn't work in our family context. There must be. A relationship. There must be trust. There, so sometimes it might be better just have a cup of tea and just have a chat. That's that is so important. That 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 stuff. Um, that in order rather than just jumping straight into here's a plan or here's a. I mean, I have I have walked into um, situations where you know um, uh, I was given a therapy plan before the conversation even started, and that's not a very good way of working, you know. But yeah, no, it's all about it's that it's that. It's that connection, it's that partnership, it's that investing in, in the relationship and that's when the magic happens. Stephen is now approaching the age of 18 and he's going through a period of transition and this is a big, we know this is a big milestone, not just for people with disability, for, but for everybody. Mm. Um, and there'll be a lot of different people involved and there are a whole host of different options available for Stephen, but how are you finding that process at the moment? Well, just sort of pick you up on something there because for somebody that carries Stephen's labels, which I didn't actually mention earlier, but just to put it in context, Stephen carries the label of uh, severe intellectual disability, autism, uh, behavioural issues, classified as non-verbal, really complex sensory and anxiety issues, balance and coordination difficulties, uh, a lot of uh, um, difficulty around uh, eating and swallowing, swallowing disorder. So Stephen is at the more complicated end of uh, of of, uh, of things, um, and traditionally, for someone like Stephen who carries those kind of labels, there ain't much choice. For St- someone like Stephen, what generally would happen is uh, Stephen would, um, if he's really lucky, if he's really lucky, and if the funding is put in place, Stephen will get a place. He get a place in a group day service. Yep, and we should be really lucky because that's generally the option for somebody like Stephen. Um, So the thing is, just like I said at at the beginning of our chat, see, we think Stephen's a cool guy. But the thing is, despite the fact he's a cool guy, you don't see Stephen's in the workplace. We don't see Stephen at Stephen's. People like Stephen out and about. And I, myself, my husband and... um, Stephen's siblings, um, despite all those needs, we're ambitious for Stephen. And we think Stephen can get a job with support, with support. Um, and we think in, in order to change how people view 
people like Stephen, is he needs to be out and about. I mean, Stephen uh, uh, rocks and flaps and does a lot of that kind of stuff. And people might look at that going, ah, weird stuff. What's he doing over there in the corner? What's he? But the thing is, no one really bats an eyelid if someone sees me stuffing chocolate cake into my face. And that's basically, I'm doing, that's the same thing. Stephen is, in order to feel better, and if he's feeling a bit overwhelmed, um, what he'll do is he he will rock or flap. Um, If I feel overwhelmed, um, and um, lots of other people too, you know, maybe uh, I might go and have a glass of wine. Or two or three. And no one, but our society kind of thinks that's okay. But yet we look over at Stephen and go, oh, he looks strange because he's rocking or flapping. And you see, the thing is, I think we need to change that attitude because we're, as human beings, all of us have a contribution to make. All of us have a contribution to make. And for some of us, it's going to be a little bit more tricky to find out what that contribution is. But all of us have something to do. And I, I mean, we think that, um, you know, perhaps um, I said earlier that Stephen's an outdoors guy okay and um, he um, loves the wind in his face and he loves the feeling of soil and his hands and plants and flowers why couldn't Stephen work in a garden centre you know I said Stephen um, is a really uh, really good guy with precision and noticing detail what about if you were an events manager and you needed somebody to check the knives and forks on a table or the chairs were in perfect alignment who'd be the best guy to do that I know just the man. Name is Stephen Webster, right? But we don't see people like that doing that. But Stephen needs the support to do that. And he needs the skills development, just like all of us at age 18, to do that. So one of the things we've done, we're one of the first in the country um, to look at the idea of, rather than Stephen going into a traditional day service, he is um, has an individualised, a personalised fund, and he has one-to-one support. And Stephen has actually left school, and we're now just at the beginning of setting this up. Uh, so it's a really exciting overwhelming uh, challenging but uh, we think you know it's it's we're onto a good thing um, so what we have to do is um, like the, the level of work involved here to get the right people involved to support Stephen uh, you know is enormous so we're um, lucky enough to work with a wonderful organisation called Possibilities Plus and um, they're uh, they work for Stephen not for not for us. That's another interesting thing. Like Stephen is a young man now, and uh, they work for Stephen and not for not for Mrs. Control Woman here, his mom. You know, and so we're in a very interesting space where, uh, I, 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 there's no very little support and conversation around it. But I think we need to be talking more about how do you pull my me back? How do you pull mom back? Oh, like I am, you know, uh, guilty. I can tell you, uh, um, of seriously overprotecting. Stephen has not had the same opportunities as his siblings to do ordinary, regular stuff. And what is Stephen's rights to try out stuff? What's Stephen's rights to fail? Okay, I mean, I uh, Michael, Stephen's brother, is doing transition year in school at the moment and has the opportunity to try all sorts of wonderful things from horse riding to hat making to cookery and lots of people to give him talks and inspire him a different way. What's our transition year uh, uh, for people that carry certain labels? There is no such thing. And let me tell you, there is no preparation or transition uh, at all. It is kajung, you're out the door. When you say to teachers, for example, um, where's the career guidance for Stephen? 
they look at you like the blank face because there is no career guidance for Stephen and there is no sense of uh, uh, the importance of the preparation and the transition and the interesting thing is like if we think about it like Rachel is uh, is just coming to her 14th birthday and she'll be doing her junior search uh, next year but if we think of Michael and Rachel, why why do we not treat Stephen in the same way? Because we talk about like what subjects you want to do for your junior cert. What are your interests, Rachel? What are your passions? Why are we not doing the same conversation for people who carry the label of intellectual disability and autism? And you start that conversation for all of us. We start that thinking about it in our early teens, and mom and dad start thinking about this kind of stuff. And and we as we go through and 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 uh, some students have the chance to do a transition year, or you go on then and you look at your leaving cert and you do. Um, but for uh, and, you, and you fill in a CAO form and you or you or you may be looking at an apprenticeship or you may look at the gap year. Or, why are the same opportunities not available for those who carry certain labels? And that's the sort of questions we want to ask. And we want to show another way uh, for for first for Stephen. So at the moment, what we're up to is we've just recruited some some uh, two staff for Stephen and we're um at the, in the get to know because like I said earlier about the importance of relationship with clinicians super duper important for Stephen now uh, like I'm using my voice to get to sort of say a little bit and your guy, you guys are getting the audience are getting to know me a little bit through my voice today but when you don't have that voice um, Stephen's new staff they got to hang around with him you know, and just get to know him. And when he says this, what does that mean? And when he does this, what does that mean? Um, but already, um, it's it's fascinating to to watch as Stephen is learning the skills that lots of eighteen year olds need to do, like going shopping, uh, learning to fend, you know, how to put soup in the microwave, um, how to uh, like actually one of his support staff has just was teaching him an incredible one to one, just you know the self scan stuff in the supermarket, uh, and like. Stephen really likes that and he can um, he, we're, he's, he's also been doing um, lots of physical activity and guess what when you increase physical activity just like I was talking about the importance of uh, minding yourself as, as someone as a mom right if what we know about Stephen is if you get fresh air in and you have lots of physical activity we have a whole drop off in anxiety Amazing, isn't it? Because it's amazing that things that work for normal human beings also work for people who happen to carry the label of disability. You know, so we're it's been it's it's we're just at the early stages of it, and I'm hoping going to have lots of uh, other great stuff to say. But one of the things we're really looking at is the projects around uh, shopping and learning to cook, the projects around uh, physical activity and the benefits for well-being around that. And the other thing then is already even though we're only a few weeks into it. It's about trying to shift that attitudinal thing from burden to contribution. Stephen is really close to his um, to his granddad and he calls him Papa. And Papa's in his mid-80s and they are best buddies. And so one of the things already is that, that rather than me going to bring Stephen to see a Papa, one of his staff can do that. And they were helping out with jobs for Papa. And um, actually for Granny last week, they were planting snowdrops. You know, and this is really cool stuff that he's able to do right from the from from the get the get go. Really being um, that role of a grandson, you know, a really important one, and also that uh, role of uh, being able to be the to help out to help out rather than being a contributor. So we're just at the early stages, um, but we we really want to show uh, another way of being, another type, another life other than 
the day service and I'm, I'm not just trying to say that I'm not, I'm not saying all day services are bad there's lots of really good day services but some of the day services that we, that we looked at for Stephen we knew that he just would, would not enjoy them and they wouldn't bring out the best in him. Um, and so that's why we've chosen to go this route. You mentioned that you're one of the first, uh, this is one of the first projects where Stephen is actually receiving individual funding to have his day service supported by people who get who are spending their time getting to know him and he's getting to do the stuff that he likes. How did you go about doing that? Quite the journey. The um, the Minister for Responsible for, Responsible for Disability Services at the moment is Finian McGrath and he has actually set up a task force uh, to look at this whole area and that to look at in, in the context of international best practice. Uh, we know this is what's happening in um, lots of other countries. And I suppose that was one of the things of where where did I start with this was I heard about it from various sources, in, including your good self, Patrick, that I from Australia and I um, there's lots of work going on in Australia and Canada and, um, you know, in, in the UK and, and, and other places and where this is uh, seen as a, a way of really giving people with disabilities more meaningful lives. And so it's, it's, it's not actually about more money. It's about using the same funding, but putting it in a different direction. And so... The thing is, it's really hard um, at the moment to make this this happen because although our HSC here locally were doing the very best to help us, their hands were tied that uh, from various other echelons that, th- that this is not up and running yet in Ireland. They are just, there are some pilot projects that they're trying to measure outcomes on. Um, but we wanted to be involved in, 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 in being one of the first. And so... We we pushed and pushed and pushed and there's no other way around it. And I think anyone listening to this who is familiar with trying to get resources through the education system, trying to get help, trying to get some therapeutic input, trying to get uh, specialist psychology services, they'll know what to talk about when you've got to push and you've got to shout really loud and it's really hard. But for our family... We could see, um, I, I had read extensively, I had went to lots of conferences, I um, really looked at what Stephen's skill set and I, the thing is, this is what we would be doing for Michael and Rachel, so why wouldn't I do it for Stephen? You know, like if you think, like, and I just come back time and time again about commonalities, we must be looking uh, for those that carry the labels of intellectual disability and autism, we must first give them the same as we do for everybody else. And then we can talk about all the extras. And, and so this would be no different than what any of us would be doing for um, for our, our family members that are going to college or want to look at the idea of uh, an apprenticeship or going on a gap year. It's just, so you start looking at that, that uh, you know, at looking at that from, I suppose we were kind of maybe from sort of age 14, 15. We were, had our kind of heads thinking about what are we going to do. And so that's how I that's how I got in, uh, in, involved in um, reading and going to conferences and Realizing, I think this might be a good one for for Stephen, and then a lot of meetings uh, to show that this would be the right way for Stephen. And here we are now, just at the cusp of getting it up and running, um, and already we can see some good things. And Stephen is currently living at home, and mm. and will continue to live at home for for the foreseeable future. In in going into the future, where do you see Stephen living, or what would you see? His, his future being like in, in terms of where he lives or yeah. or what, what his day-to-day life is like? Uh, well, what we have done is, uh, like we live in a, a fairly regular house in a housing estate in Limerick. Um, what we've managed to do is we have just converted the garage into a little dinky space for Stephen. 
because we we felt that would it would help to try and get this vision um this amb- ambitious plan we have for him um established because Stephen's a guy who likes his own space um we were keen to try and um figure out a way in which we could get this working where um, environment is incredibly important to Stephen. One of our conditions for success for this is we really thought very carefully, put a massive amount of effort into the planning around what would help make this work. And so in terms of living, Stephen has his own cool, dinky apartment, okay? Right adjacent to the house. Um, So we can have paid support to have a separate entrance to come in and do their own thing and... Uh, also for teaching Stephen skills like I was saying earlier about you know doing his shopping um, and really looking at Stephen as that role of owning his own home of being a householder and the skills involved in cleaning and um, you know cooking for yourself and doing all that stuff Uh, so that's so for the but the thing is we've done this for the next number of years because I really can't see past the next you know sort of you know five to ten years in fairness in my own life either and it may be that Stephen in due course might like to live in an apartment in Limerick City you know not near me at all I mean probably want to escape but for the time for the next number of years we see him um, living alongside us until we can get the all the funding in place for evening time and um, weekends and stuff uh, where the family are doing we're still doing all that kind of support but we think for during for during the day for uh, rather than the day service I suppose it's kind of like you know the way in the education system many of our young including Stephen, had their own special needs assistant, their SNA, okay? So for all the world, all we're really doing is continuing that. Like, so Stephen has his own assistant. Or if you were a wheelchair user with a physical disability, you'd need an assistant, a personal assistant to give you a hand doing stuff. So it's it's just, that's, the, that's all we're doing. But it's for Stephen with a view to... Um, gaining the skills uh, to develop those roles within his own community and doing, really build just an ordinary life. That's what we're talking about. It's the same life that you and I would be looking at. We're looking for, you know, uh, you know, that he's got um, something meaningful to do every day. You know, that he's, and we're driving towards skills development for a job. Okay. That's what we all want, isn't it? And that he's a nice home. That's what we all want. And that he has strong human, strong human relations. That's what we all want. And so that's the sort of stuff we're trying to put in place because, as I said earlier, we really think Stephen Webster has a lot to contribute and we call it the golden threads. You go after the golden threads. Stephen's passions and interests, his attention to detail, his incredible sense of rhythm. And you know what? I'm his mom, and I don't think I know the half of it yet. And I think we have a really exciting future ahead. Avril. That was uh, inspirational to listen to. And and really, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, Thanks for being all about this. And we hope to see you soon. We're all about this! And that's it for this episode of All About This. Remember, you can get in touch and continue the conversation with us on Facebook and Twitter and find out more on allaboutthis.com. Thanks to our producer, Amy O'Dwyer at Trees Road Productions. Until next time, thanks for listening.